This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I just want to quickly thank my corporate sponsors, Halt and Honda, as well as Forever, for believing in myself, my guests, and the content that we bring to you each week. I also just want to thank my friends and family over at C-Suite Radio Network, where, of course, you can eventually find the podcast link following the live show as well on my host page, Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Quickly, before we turn it over to my guest and formal introductions, I just want to let it be known that as a busy radio host, author, motivational speaker, and mom, I don't have time to hunt around for a good deal. That's why I love MyBargainBuddy.com. My Bargain Buddy scours the net every day to find the best deals and coupons so you can save 50 to 90% on clothes, shoes, gifts, pet supplies, and so much more. They even tell you where to score free stuff. Sign up for their free email newsletter for a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card. When you shop with My Bargain Buddy, you'll never pay full price again. Visit MyBargainBuddy.com. So who is my guest today? Well, my guest is a phenomenal gentleman by the name of Vincent Valeri. It certainly requires an extra special breed and caliber of entrepreneur who can work on the inside of a family-oriented business. Today, I'm exceptionally looking forward to garnering additional insights from Vincent Valeri, who has mastered a level of expertise, now helping to support, navigate, and empower a plethora of others in their family business lives. Working with and serving family enterprises has become a natural extension of his personal experiences. Vincent is a certified family, legacy, and executive leadership coach, as well as a non-flict coach. Vincent is the managing director of his firm, Videra, and a family business and legacy coach with Legacy Capitals. Vincent works as a trusted advisor and coach with family members both collectively and individually in developing family legacy continuity strategies, conflict resolution, and alignment of the family's values and vision for their wealth and relationships. Vincent is also recognized as a passionate and engaging speaker on the topics of wealth and business transition, behavioral risk in family enterprise, and family legacy. Vincent has shared his personal stories of success and failure with his own family business experiences and his ideas on how to help families shift to a legacy mindset. Most recently at Opal Family Office Conference, Camden's North American Family Office Conference, and the Mondo Institutional Conference in Italy. So welcome, Vincent. That's quite a repertoire. How are you, our friend? I'm very well. Thank you, Lisa. Amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's always it's interesting to hear it read back to you. I know when you see it in print, it's one thing, but to hear to hear you read it back, it all it, it brought a smile to my face. So thank you. Oh, well, that's lovely. Well, kudos to you. And this is oftentimes after I plug each guest of each week's bio. That's what they say. It's like, wow, is that really me that you're talking about? Did I really accomplish all those things? Is that really what I stand for and what I embody? And yes, you do. And so good on you for the great work that you continue to do to elevate the trajectory of other people in what you do, which is a very niche market. And it very much uh, is of interest to me. And I'll tell you why, Vincent, because where I live, I live in Dundas, you know that, on. Ontario, Canada, and there's many family-oriented businesses here, and many of them are very uh, viable. They, you know, sustained longevity, and yet 
as a consumer, as a customer, when I go into these family businesses, what I do notice, because, you know, I'm always cognizant of people's disposition, the nonverbals, uh, engagement, et cetera, et cetera. And some of them, some of these family-owned business owners seem to be, in some cases, miserable, whereas <laughs> if I, whereas if I contrast that with others, they seem authentically very happy, very in the flow, and very in the zone. So, Based on your experiences, I would love to know what you think some of the the underlying factors are to support what it is I've picked up on, and I'm sure other people have too. Yeah, so thank you. So for, I mean, to, I guess to kick it off, the family business in Canada, and it's, it's a global stat that's shared, but I know in Canada, the number is not exact, but approximately 60% of our country's GDP is derived or driven from family-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in the, the, the contribution that these families have made, um, you know, over the, over the previous decades and are continuing to make in our country is staggering, um, which, which, which built on itself to a story. But to your comment about seeing the owners miserable at times, I think, I mean, businesses, as you know, being an entrepreneur yourself, businesses are challenging. Yes. Um, Families are challenging. Yes. <laughs> when you overlay the two as a family business, or we, we like to call them business families, mm-hmm. um, it can get quite complicated. And I think, I, I think, I mean, I know from my personal experience, what with my family business, and now being also being married into a family business, and I'm local to you as well because I'm just in Burlington, Ontario. I was born in Hamilton, so we're very much very close to one another. Yes. The, it, I mean, what often happens, I find, depending on the state of the, where that business is, mm-hmm. the patriarch or matriarch, the founders of these businesses, really don't know what's next for them, especially if the next gen, or we refer to the rising gen, is working in that business with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so the work that I do or that we do at Legacy Capitals and with my company, Videra, is we really try to understand what's going on on the human level with these individuals that operate, live inside these family businesses. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding, and there's research and studies that support this, that, you know, and, and it's, and it's, it's the same thing that happens in organizations. You know, the biggest issues that we're finding is, you know, surprisingly enough that there's a big problem with communication and trust. Right. You know, and, and, and the other biggest reasoning for, I guess, problems or issues when these businesses are transitioning are unprepared heirs. Mm-hmm. So, when you, so when you see, when you see an individual like you suggested in Dundas, their days don't start, you know, they don't start and finish like a typical nine to five job, like, like, like our lives, Lisa. Correct. The, the challenge of the family business is it's the many hats that mom and dad and siblings wear with one another. Mm-hmm. So I, at the office, I'm mom or I'm dad and I'm also the boss and you're my daughter or my brother or my cousin, whatever your relation is to me. And that relationship carries forward after the business day finishes, meaning oftentimes the problems that we have or the challenges that we have in our day job come home with us. And this is what we're finding is the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges in helping families intentionally plan for this eventual transition. Mm-hmm. I started the conversation off on, on, you know, family businesses should be celebrated. The fact that they contribute this, these you know, astronomical numbers to our GDP. But on the flip side to that, there's an opportunity and a risk, not only to Canada, but to business owners, our communities, because as the demographics are in Canada, the, these, most of these business owners are, the, are our baby boomers. And yes. we, we are now in the middle of, or the beginning stages of, depending on who you ask, the largest wealth transfer um, globally that we've ever encountered. And the largest inheritors of these businesses and money are the millennials. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, millennials have a very different view and flavor and, 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 and vision for life than what the boomers did. Um, and what, and, and to compound that even further, <laughs> Uh, to add, I guess, misery to the day of the gentleman or, 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 or lady you saw running that family business is a lot of these family business or wealth creators in Canada, specifically our first generation, meaning a lot of them are immigrants. They're new. To, they were new to Canada 30, 40, 50 years ago. Out of necessity, they, they started a company or started a small business. In some cases, those small businesses 
morphed into something much larger, like in my family's case, which really compounded the familial challenges that we had. Um, so so in, on two instances, they're an immigrant to the country, then they also become immigrants to the wealth. Because right. with wealth and business, and as the businesses grow, comes a huge set of responsibility and complexities. And then what we find that, you know, to, to reference your story again, with the rising gen coming up, depending on what age they're at, they're, they're not immigrants to wealth. This is normal for them. And that in itself, by definition, is conflict between mom and dad and their kids. Mm-hmm. Perception of money, the perception of work ethic. Uh, and that's what's getting in the way of, of real planning. And that's why we're seeing, I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of statistics referenced between or in the proverbs that we hear about with respect to family business called the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves proverb in three generations. So the first generation makes it. The second generation maintains it. The third generation squanders. So mm-hmm. by the by the you know by the, the next generation they're back to shirt sleeves, working the land as an example to rebuild their wealth. And a lot of what we're finding, it's not technical issues that are that are that are sidetracking these families. It's not the accountant or the or the the wealth manager making a mistake with their technical planning. It's the real emotional stuff. The people. That are, that are getting in the way of themselves, which then manifests in getting in the way of the family planning and family business planning. Absolutely. Well, two, th- two things I want to talk about then. Um, so I would like for you to share with myself and the listening audience as somebody who, uh, can very much attest to and relate to the personal firsthand experience of being entrenched in a family business, the pros and cons to that, the highs, the lows, uh, perhaps some of the perceivable pitfalls, uh, as compared to the successes that you celebrated as a family. And then contrast that with the clients that you work with and some of the feedback that you receive, uh, directly to support what might be similar to your situation or what might be uniquely different but still is something to to factor in for anybody who's embarking upon the decision making of do you know entertaining having a family run business yeah so let's start quickly at the beginning so my you know i re- i talked about immigrants so my parents are are immigrants to canada mm-hmm. uh, my my mom came over when she was 2 so very much canadian raised my dad came over in his 20s so out of necessity, started a company um, in Stony Creek, which is <laughs> near and dear to our hearts, Lisa, yeah. where we were here, uh, in 1974, with, with the, the financial backing of my mom, who was actually gainfully employed at the Royal Bank back then. Um, and my dad had a trade, which was, uh, was, he was he was able to manufacture circuit boards. So it was a trade that he learned in Italy, started a company of necessity. He was He was dead set against not working in the steel mills like most of our friends and family did when they landed in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And like most family businesses, you know, as most entrepreneurs, the, the, the early years were extremely lean. But luckily for dad, with timing, the tech sector in Canada and North America, really on the upswing in the 80s and 90s, and our family, you know, our my father's little family business really rolled that wave. Uh, so much so in the late 80s, they, he was acquired or partnered with a, a German company and that's what really, that's what created the multinational aspect of our family business. Just in time for me, for me to be a teenager. Mm-hmm. Which is why I talked about the immigrant to wall. So all I knew growing up was this large company, you know, 100 plus employees, offices throughout North America, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Life is easy. And I very much, I very much embodied that entitled, entitlement that we keep hearing about in the media and in the, in the in the business reports about the millennial generation being entitled, I was very much that person. Um, I started working for my dad as as young as, I mean, I was always there. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I remember my earliest jobs being 11, 10 or 11 years old, you know, pushing pushing circuit boards through a washing machine and, and my dad paying out of his pocket to show me that I was, you know, valued at the, at the, at the shop. But I worked there up until I was, well, 27 years old. And my father decided to sell in 2006 um, which was a good business decision, but on a personal level, we never had that conversation about what his intentions were. Mm-hmm. So I was very much blindsided by his decision to sell the family business. Um, and, and, and itself is one of the biggest things that we are finding with the, the, you know, my personal experience where there was a huge lack of communication, 
a huge level of unpreparedness, not only from my parents' side, but from, from my side, my, as well as my sister, from what, what happens after. And the other biggest things that happened to me, so I guess we're talking about the cons now. I mean, initially the pro was my identity was very much tied into this family business. It very much represented who we were as people, who our family was. We were this business. And then when dad made the decision to sell and retire, which was his right and was the smartest thing to do from his perspective, the con from that was as a family, we weren't prepared for that shift. Mm-hmm. I know for me specifically, it really set me back a lot of years um, to really understand who I was as a person, what I wanted from life. And to really figure out what my identity was on earth to figure out what my purpose and passion is going to be so that I can be a leader. And that in itself is, is what we're seeing in the work that we do with families, helping them prepare for this eventual transition. Mm-hmm. There, there's a huge gap in the wealth management industry or, or in the, in the specialists that provide these services. It's very technically focused, which is absolutely fundamental and absolutely needed in helping families prepare the assets for transition. But what we talk about with legacy planning or continuity planning is preparing the family for the assets. And that's something that we as a family just, we were not ever, never advised for that. And, and I mean, we're, we're going back now almost 12 years and prior to that, even earlier when you know, our family was really having success from a, from a business perspective. This school of thought, at least at our level in a very small town in Stony Creek, we weren't having these conversations. Mm-hmm. It's, um, so, but the, so that's the con. There was, there was very much a lack of communication, a very much, uh, a lack of planning. The pros, the pros from my personal experience was you know, what I really got out of it was the work ethic of my parents, seeing seeing what they would do, you know, what it takes to sust- not only grow but sustain a business and juggle multiple hats with not only the business but the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, on on a on a materialistic or financial side, because my father was was you know, financially successful, the opportunity to travel and the opportunity to, to see different businesses at that time was, was, was experience that I probably never would have gotten if I was, if I pursued another path. For a long time, I did, re- I did regret my decision to stay only with dad. And, and then, because when he, when he eventually decided to sell, I was really left with no personal foundation. I was really much riding his coattails. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, again, it's a balancing act, and we talked about blessing and curses, and that essentially was my upbringing in the family business. On one hand, we had all this amazing opportunities to see the world, do these really neat products, and and you know, into really diverse technical uh, markets. But on the con side, as a family relationship, when things changed for us as a family, we were really caught blindsided by the change, mm-hmm. and. It, odd years for us as a family to get back to being a family uh, so that we can enjoy each other as people and continue to plan and live together. Absolutely. Well, there's so many things that came to mind as, as you took the time to delve into that and to extrapolate some of those key points uh, in answering my questions. So I appreciate that, Vincent. So I'm going to try and hold this all together because to me they're all important and I, I really would love to hear you elaborate and extrapolate upon this. So, you know, the only parallel in terms of how it would make sense to me um because although my dad was in business for himself for quite some time, it wasn't a family-run business. It was just that was his business, and, and we certainly as a family saw how busy he was, but it didn't involve every member of our family. But I do parallel that to the fact, um, you know, with my dad having been uh, pivotal in terms of a coach, so he coached my brothers. He, he coached my both my brothers, uh, high-level uh, competitive soccer, and so – Although my brothers never spoke to me directly about what they may have felt, we do know that it's possible, uh, as people would be able to understand from at least a sports analogy versus maybe a family business analogy, um, perhaps my brothers both felt that there was an additional layer of inherent pressure for them to perform or to always be good because they were the son of the actual 
coach, which may have deterred to how much they really truly enjoyed the essence of the game. It could have been a bit of a detractor. So that's the one thing in terms of paralleling it. And I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, but the second thing that came to mind too, that I would appreciate if you could uh, elaborate upon as well is, you know, I think legacy, I mean, that's such an important subject uh, regardless of what it is people do for a living uh, in terms of their spirit, their soul, uh, emotionally, every aspect, of a person's DNA, you know, what their passions, uh, inside or outside of their business model, etc. So, you know, when you talk about the legacy, perhaps, as it relates to a family-oriented business, um, yes, they may have climbed the echelon. They may have, according to spreadsheets, you know, really done quite wealth, uh, well financially, uh, but at what cost in terms of perhaps splintering or imploding the family. So yes, you've got the family legacy of the business, but in some cases that's come at the, the unfortunate cost of the family dynamics themselves, correct? Yeah. Absolutely correct. So let, let me start there on the legacy side. So yes. um, when through the work we do at Legacy Capitals, we talk about, we use we call it the Fisher's model, which there's five, there's really five buckets of capital. So you have your financial capital, which you described. And that's how most people, unfortunately, measure their success. What is my net worth? My net worth is X. It means I made it. But we, what we, what we like to talk about with families is really diving into their human capital, their, their spiritual capital, which you touched on, their purpose, their individual purpose, their individual passion, what their core values are, how they want to live life, what their social capital is like, you know, amongst, amongst their, amongst their family, amongst their siblings. What their intellectual capital is like. And it's these, it's these buckets of capital that all encompassing make up legacy. Mm -hmm. It's more than just money. It's more than just the business. And I think, and what the work that we do with families and and helping them, it's really helping them have deeper conversations from an individual perspective and then bringing that collectively as a family as to what does it mean to be part of this family? And the work that the work that I do really, you know, like the bio said, is born out of my out of my own experience, and it really is a passion for me because a united family is a stronger family, not only financially but from a legacy perspective. And it's these it's these lessons and values that that are what I define as true success are are passed on to generations, and it's it's imperative in in, in why it's so important. Is you look at the wealth, you know, the wealthy families in Canada, let's say, as an example, they can afford the best advisors, the best accountants, the best lawyers, but yet there's still this huge drop off in successful. And again, depending on what your definition of success is, and that's one of the things that we start, that's one of our first exercises we do with individuals and families. What is success? Mm-hmm. But research and the statistics show us that, you know, Upwards of 30% of family businesses and or family wealth don't make it to the next generation, to the second generation. Less than 10% make it to the third. Why is that? It can be directly correlated or directly, it's, it's directly related to a, the communication and trust breakdown amongst the family. Well, now, dove that back into your example with your brothers playing soccer for your dad as a coach. Mm-hmm. The, my dad was also my soccer coach. So I, <laughs> I could never get away from the guy. Um, the, oh, the, and you touched on a really interesting topic, and, it, and it's funny because I know the work that you do with with your clients as well too. The clients that I'm attracting to me, believe it or not, are are men that have successful fathers because that's that's my image in a lot of ways. But that pressure, the pressure that I felt was was debilitating. Mm-hmm. I can't understate. How, how much pressure I did feel, especially as I got into my, into my mid twenties. And it was compounded by the fact that my dad was an immigrant. You know, he came to Canada with virtually nothing. That very, was my dad. Yes. Very little finances, no language and built this very successful and, you know, by our, by our standards, big, a big business. And I would look at that and say, if he did that with virtually no foundation, I need to do that times two. Mm-hmm. 
and so the, so but because you know now we're you know I'm almost 40 so 20 years ago 22 years ago there wasn't there wasn't the community that we have today in Canada with a lot of you know people like myself really taking uh really putting a focus on you know family businesses at the time it was very hard for me to go and speak to somebody so for example you know I'd say hey Lisa you know I'm having a really crappy day because I work for my dad and he makes a lot of money and you know I drive a sports car and nobody, <laughs> nobody knows how it feels to be me and boo hoo you know sucks to be the poor rich kid but I I very much felt that uh, it, so what happened to me at that age and I'm sure because we're local I'm sure some of my friends might hear this podcast and, and I but when I was in my late teens early twenties the the my ego mind. So I'm just trying to get Vincent back on the line here. So I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show. To me, it's a very interesting show because, again, as I said at the top of the hour, uh, Dundas itself, the community that I live in, it's very quaint. It's very rich in architecture. And certainly there's been uh, throughout the course of decades man, many established and still to this day running successful family businesses and um, so if you're just tuning in now part of what Vincent and I have been speaking about is some of the pros the cons the risks the pitfalls the benefits as someone in Vincent's case who was immersed very much so in his family-run business spearheaded by immigrant parents uh, and some of the challenges that would come from that in addition to some of the benefits in terms of what Vincent uh, stated that he derived from the example, the firsthand example of his dad's staunch work ethic and what that taught him and trickled over into his own work ethic. Um, and then talking about legacy and some of the things that are important for people uh, to be mindful of, you know, whether you can relate as a family business owner or uh, a child within a family run business. Um, but two, what's the legacy of the family? Uh, part and parcel of the family business legacy, but also separate from that. And is it possible to differentiate? Uh, so Vincent was very graciously uh, and very insightfully offering some detailed information about uh, what he could attest to. No, that's okay, Vincent. So I was just kind of recapping for people who may have tuned in, not at the immediate top of the hour, some of what it is they may have, in fact, missed. So let's just dive right back into what it was that you were exploring here and, and explaining to myself and the listening audience. So, yeah, so apologies. I don't know, all the lights went crazy, and then I was dead for a second there. So No, yes, that's okay. I was speaking about the pressure that I that I, I was experiencing at that age. It was unbelievably tremendous. Um, so, the, and I, uh, before we got cut off there, I was talking about the mixed messaging that I I received at that age with respect to my work. So my role at the business. So you so as the son of the owner, you know, I I got a lot of the grunt jobs. I I was really much. You know, to prove a point to the rest of the people there that I, I deserve to be there and try to step out of the shadow of my dad. Mm -hmm. As my parents at that time also went through a divorce, a lot of my time at the factory was also father-son time because mm -hmm. that's, because that's where dad was. So we would go for an extended lunch as an example to go have a father-son conversation about life. He's my dad. Mm -hmm. But then I would have to go back to the factory back to my role after being gone for a couple of hours because I didn't see, I wouldn't see my dad as often as I would like because he was the, he was the running a, an enterprise and traveling a lot. So you would get that. So on one hand, you were grateful for the time you got to spend with your dad, but then I'd have to go back into the factory and be amongst the other, other, other workers. And you'd get that. Oh, it must be nice to be the son of the owner. Right. Similarly to your example with your brother's, having your dad as a coach. Am I am I here on merit? Am I really the best player on this team? Am I really doing am I really doing a bang up job or am I am I being kept around because dad is the boss? Mm -hmm. So what what happens if you you know what 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 I've seen with some of the families that I've worked with and, and, and the research that supports it is what happens sometimes is, is if Conversations aren't had if expectations aren't set because, as we know, you know expectations can ruin relationships, especially, especially when they're not communicated. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 
what often happens, like in my case, we try to do things above. So give it a sports analogy. You know, we try to individualize the game. and we, we want to take the game into our own hands to prove that we can take this team to, to the championship as an example. That happened in family businesses where the next gen wants to step out of that shadow of mom and dad and might do things that aren't are counterproductive to the core. Um, or, or in another, in, in my instance as well too, I also felt a lot of pressure, but then I also started to feel a lot of guilt in my mind. I have to continue as continue this business as an example because this is what my dad started. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the messaging that in my particular case um, was that you know dad was very much doing this for 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 me and my sister that he was building this company for me. And the, and the conversations that we had were, when you're ready, you know, you step into a more senior position and life will be hunky, you know, life will be grand. Mm-hmm. As you know, and as I know, life doesn't operate like that. <laughs> Not things, at all. <laughs> things, things get in the way that really challenge, challenge us as people. And, mm-hmm. that, and as an individual, if you're not grounded and emotionally clear on who you are, you get really, you get lost, you get lost in the shuffle. Why that's extremely important in family business is because a lot of these family business owners, a lot of their wealth is tied up in the business. And so if they don't, if they don't view that business as just that, a business as a tool to generate financial capital, it gets, re- it, the, the, the waters get extremely muddy. Mm-hmm. Versus a business, you know, that's a family business. A family business wants to keep harmony in the family. So the family business is going to employ all three siblings, regardless of level of intellect or competence, desire. Like, 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 do you like making widgets or do you just want to work here because it's easy? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a family business. A business family, on the other hand, makes decisions that are best for business and best for the family. And, and because of that, harmony is a byproduct. So we put all of our cards on the table. We're going to have open and clear communication. We're going to talk about what's really going on. We're going to get to the, you know, just like a business brings in consultants to identify root causes in their operation or root root causes in their in their quality department. Similar things need to happen within the family unit. We need to understand what's going on at the human individual level with respect to the family and the business. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, I mean, again, there's just so many things I want to ask you and being cognizant of time, I want to give you an opportunity to explain as much as uh, you can in answering these questions, sure. but I also want to give you the opportunity to let it be known to the listening audience where it is you can be found uh, for speaking and for consulting and, and coaching, etc. So, you know, <laughs> You know, I always try to err on the side of positivity with all my guests and with all my shows because that's just, you know, I'm very much always choosing to operate at my highest vibrational level. But there's just so many layers within the family construct type business where you can just see, if not already know from firsthand testimonials, where things do seemingly go awry or they do break down. And that is the reality. And I think that, you know, it, it, knowledge is power. So for people, and we do have a lot of entrepreneurs uh, tuned into this show, uh, so I think it's important for people to go into things as they're contemplating, you know, again, embarking upon a family-oriented type uh, business to be very cognizant of things that they need to consider or take into account. So, you know, when we talk about family-run businesses, you know, can the siblings, and you said something that was important, and I, I, again, a couple of thoughts come to mind. So, you know, one, can you ever get away from the perceived uh, stigma of nepotism? You know, that even though, as you pointed out, the, the children who are in the business or maybe the significant partner, the wife, the husband, the whatever, um, they may not have the most competent type skills. I mean, any business person, though, would only want to surround themselves with people who have that skill set, who have a demonstrated uh, ability, uh, call it, you know, previous references or portfolio or uh, resume, whatever, to substantiate that, 
because they do, in fact, have that former experience, that's what they're bringing to a position, call it family or otherwise. So, you know, so how – when you know that people aren't necessarily coming in with strong skill sets, but – but you need the bodies to keep things afloat because, as you've said, it's impossible for one person to effectively wear all hats. It, it kind you, you have to all interconnect and have a role. And obviously, you know, the more you practice something, you 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 get better at it. Um, but I mean, if somebody's if somebody has to be on all the time, and again, as you've indicated too, and we know this firsthand, in an entrepreneurial world, it's not a nine to five. So if you've got family members who are plugged into a business that isn't operating within the nine to five, and it's go, 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 and you're always on, and you're always expected to do more with less in some cases, um, things can break down very quickly, particularly if you feel like, you know, I don't really like doing this aspect of what I've been employed to do within the family business. This isn't my passion. I don't really excel. This isn't my skill set or my strong suit, but this is kind of, you know, the lot that we have and we got to sign up and we got to, you know, put the happy face on because now we're interfacing with the public and we have to look like we absolutely love what we're doing and we're this great intact family. So, you know, from your experience and from the clients that you work with, Vincent, you know, for anybody who is coming to you and saying, this is what we as a family are, are really seriously looking at embarking upon, would you, for the sake of preserving the family unit, would you really encourage people to get into a family business? Uh, oh, wow, that's a that's – a, um... I know that's a lot I'm throwing at you, but I <laughs> – Yeah, I, I mean, on, the, on family businesses in their – by nature – the loyalty is higher. The 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 get up. The you know the what's the word I'm looking for? The the toughness of the individual. The the you know family family business. Even even their employees in a lot of the way because a lot oftentimes when you have longstanding employees that work in a family business they become part of the family. Mm-hmm. The research also shows that family businesses throughout history are more profitable. The ones that do it correctly are sustainable. The, the employee engagement is higher. So uh, when it's done correctly, and I shouldn't say correctly, when it's done intentional, mm-hmm. where the family recognizes that, yes, we have a business to run. There's, there's certain, there's protocol, there's responsibilities, there's rules around how this business needs to be conducted. But we're also a family. So we need to make time for those different buckets. Mm-hmm. So no, and, and, and it, and it becomes, and that's why the word intentional I use a lot with my clients. We, you need to, it, there needs to be that switch from mom, the mom, the CEO to mom. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a, whether, whether there's, you know, boundaries have to be created with respect to when business is discussed, when is it family time, when is it business time. But a lot of, a lot of family businesses start, I mean, it all, it seems like they happen organically. It's just, you know, mom or dad starts a business out of passion or a sibling starts out of a passion and then someone else shares that passion and they jump in. Mm-hmm. But I really think what's missing is intentional conversations about, hey, if you and I are mom and, you know, we're, we're, we're father and son, we're brother and sister. If things go well, fantastic. But we mm-hmm. need recognize and be open and honest with each other what if things don't work how strong as people as family to sustain the tough times and i think i mean if 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 and i know i've I've talked to parents saying you know my my son or daughter's finishing university you know they want to come and join the business my question back to them always well what's their other you know have they worked anywhere else Mm -hmm. you know i would encourage all young Family businesses or young, young, young rising generation members that are that are aspiring to work. Get outside experience, you know. Not do it for yourself, more so than the family business. I always say, make the family business want you. Make the family business need you. They that they need your passion. They need your loyalty. They need your skill set. Versus you needing that business to sustain life. Mm-hmm. My opinion. And I think it's a valid one. The role of a family, the role of a parent, is to really raise self-sufficient, self-sustaining individuals. Yes. And if that individual and and 
and, and to assist individual, that son or daughter, to pursue, to pursue their highest level of happiness. Mm-hmm. Their highest level of happiness is part of being in the family business and wonderful. But if it's not, then we have to, we have to make the decisions that allow for that individual to flourish. Because if we don't, the, the, there's an undercurrent of conflict or the unspoken word that will manifest when push comes to shove. And we see it time and time again with, with where, where, you know, mom passes or dad passes and wills and, and shareholders agreements have never been disclosed prior to what we call a living legacy. So share, share your legacy today versus someone else reading it on your deathbed. You, you get all these questions. Well, I didn't know mom felt like this. I didn't know dad felt like this. But what we also see happens is that parents gift businesses to their kids. Yes. So now siblings, you know, brother and sister or brother, siblings, all of a sudden now are shareholders. They're business partners. And, and maybe intellectually they get it. They understand the mechanics of being a business owner from an intellectual perspective. But spiritually or emotionally, they're not – they're not prepared for that level of responsibility. And that, and that in itself causes conflict, which results in a breakdown in trust and communication, which results in nothing happening with respect to planning. So then that manifests into a culture of avoidance, which my family was the poster child for avoidance. <laughs> we, we, you know, mom, I, 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 I tease my dad and my mom today. My parents are in their 70s. Um, and I also say that fortunately, I had the fortunate experience of growing up in a family business. It was wonderful while it happened. It got really ugly towards the end. But the best thing that ever happened from a relationship perspective, specifically, especially between me and my dad, was him selling the business. Mm-hmm. There was no longer that, there was no longer that, there was no longer this business between us that he started it. I'm trying to take it over. I want to do things my own way. We were able just to be, you know, father and son. And I was able to really find out who I am as a person and what, what really makes me tick and, 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 and work in flow. Beautiful. Beautiful. So back, back to your question about what I encourage family, you know, families to jump in as a family business. Most businesses are already a family. But even, even if it's mom that runs the company and dad is the, is the support guy with the family. Or vice versa. There's always somebody in the relationship in a family, even though they're not in the actual operation, that's helping with this business. The, the, the advice I would give to families is make sure the conversations are intentional and to be aware of the potential pitfalls. Mm-hmm. And, just, and, to, and to recognize it and do things differently. Fantastic. And so would it ever appeal to you? Is it something that you've ever considered? Uh, and I know your, your child or children are young right now, um, but would it ever be on your radar knowing the experience, the firsthand experiences of the pros and cons uh, between the dynamic between your dad and you within a family-run business? Would you ever want to start up your own family? Like, I mean, you already have your own business, but is this something that you would eventually wish to bring your children into the fold, knowing that you could probably have learned a few things to do things differently going forward and being a little bit more self-actualized? So um, I'll, I'll answer yes, but I'll probably been very lucky <laughs> Uh, to be married into a family enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, and so there's, you know, obviously my wife and her two brothers, and, and it's interesting to see how they're navigating their successes and challenges within their family business. But to be, spe- no, to specifically answer your question, in my particular case, it's too early to tell. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same token, I, I really believe my son, I, really have to show himself and show me if there was a family business for him to jump into that he wanted it, that he was deserving of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, it, I, from my experience, and, you know, we talk about the leadership space, you know, fail fast, fail often, mm-hmm. encourage that. And what, what's happening in, in primarily with these first generation wealth creators 
mom and dad, let's call them, they, they are trying to, they are, they have given their children every opportunity that they didn't have growing up. Mm-hmm. And, and what that does in a lot of ways, for me, for sure, this is what happened, was I didn't have the opportunity to fail early or fail often. You know, I start, I only really started to fail in my, in my late twenties, early thirties after the family business was sold. And it was mm-hmm. too, not that it was too late, but my, my learning was, because I didn't know, I didn't know what I was capable capable of, with, or let's say, in the real world. Because I always had this safety out of the family business. So you know, my son is very very young, but mm-hmm. the future. If if a situation arises where there was an, an entity or, or or a company that uh, he would, you know. I'm getting, I, I, sorry, I got a little choked up because I, the, the reality is I would love to work with my son in some way, but mm-hmm. it has to be, it really has to be good for him. Yes. And, and also good for me because mm-hmm. someone else with family businesses and families of wealth is that we lose our individuality. And I say to parents and I say to people, it's okay to be a little selfish. It's okay to put yourself first. It's okay to care about what it is that you want and stand up for that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Dad and I had these conversations today and he said to me, man, you were really, you were really angry after I sold the company. You know, we didn't, he and I had a, had a fractured relationship after he sold in a way I kind of felt cheated. I kind of felt abandoned. What I really felt was I was terrified. I really didn't know how am I, how am I going to, because my definition of success at that time was I have to be bigger and wealthier than my dad. So when he sold his business, my mindset went to, I don't have a platform to jump from. So I felt, I, I was, I had, I felt anger towards him for, you know, making my life harder than what I thought it needed to be based on my definition of success. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, <sighs> It really comes back to having those intentional conversations early and often with the next gen and the family. Absolutely. Well, it's it's such a layered, complicated conversation, and you would know, uh, Vincent. This is something we could. I mean, like, really, you need like a few hours to really get into the meat and potatoes of so many other things. Uh, that would need to be factored in and considered. And I wish we had that opportunity of additional time, but unfortunately we don't. Um, so being cognizant of time and knowing that we're going to be wrapping up shortly, where can people reach you, Vincent? So they can find me on uh, on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Vincent Valeri, uh, through my personal website, which is Videra, www.era. Can you repeat that again, Vincent? Sorry, it's V E D A E R A dot com, mm-hmm. as well as my partner company called Legacy Capitals dot com. Fantastic! And yeah. so, what what is the legacy that you wish to leave behind? What do you wish to most be remembered for? Wow! What do I wish? Um, it took me a long time to probably get to, to get to this point. Someone who lived a, a purposeful life. Sound, yeah. you know, it's it. I've I've it took, and it was and it wasn't done on my own. That's the other thing I say to families too: is ask for help. It's it's the thing I want to leave behind is is knowing that I I out of passion mm-hmm. and out of purpose for wanting to create a better space for my next generation coming up. Fantastic. Well, I just want to say, Vincent, you should be very proud of yourself. You know, what you've done in the family business, what you're doing now as a father and the additional insights that you would have garnered uh, that would have helped you in the parenting arena outside of what other fathers who embark upon becoming, uh, you know, parents themselves, whether, you know, you take that step further and you kind of repeat uh, the relationship personally, um, business-wise with your son as compared to what you shared between you and your dad, uh, you know, I'm sure you've got so much more 
emphasized and accentuated level of self-awareness and all the, the nuggets that you would have learned having had that experience, which a lot of people don't have, uh, which is certainly going to make you, uh, in addition to you already being a phenomenal parent and father, even more so going through the various stages of what your child might grapple with in terms of identity, purpose, passion, legacy. Um, so, you know, be proud of that. I mean, that's that's amazing what your son will benefit from in addition to uh, what you have garnered about yourself having stepped outside of the family business and really getting exceptionally clear about who you are as a person. And that level of clarity really expands upon um, the authentic parenting that comes between you and your child. So good on you. And for all the clients that you continue to interface with and, you know, help leverage them, um, help scale them, help them get that additional clarity because again people don't know what they don't know so the fact that they've got somebody such as yourself who's already walked the talk somebody who's been highly immersed and entrenched in all the pros the cons the ups the downs the pitfalls uh the successes and the celebration of what it is to be inside a family-run business Um, i'm sure your your clients can't thank you enough so vincent i can't thank you enough it's been a phenomenal uh time here on radio i want to thank you very much for the gift of your time because I certainly know how busy you are as a parent to a young child and as an entrepreneur. Um, so you're welcome to come back here anytime, my friend, and, and further Thank talk you. about things that are coming down the pipe that you think are equally important to share with the global listeners here and the podcast subscribers. Uh, so to my listening audience, I want to thank you once again for being one of half a million Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald podcast subscribers. I want to thank you for your loyal listenership. I want to thank you for the feedback and the testimonials that I continue to receive as a result of you tuning into the show, recommending the show, sharing it out and letting it be known because uh, the message can't get out there if we continue to work and operate within a vacuum. Um, so again, we don't know what we don't know. So the fact that you continue to show that kind of loyalty, I really, really appreciate. I also want to thank again my friends and family over a C-Suite radio network where of course you can eventually find the podcast link uploaded to my host page Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Again, on the C-Suite Radio Network. I want to thank my corporate sponsors, Halton Honda and Forever, for believing in myself, the content, and my guests of each week. And I just want to say, if you wish to reach out and be a prospective guest or you have any suggested show topic ideas, please feel free to kindly reach me at uh, Lisa at livingfearlesslywith.com, as well my website being livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. I'm here to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Looking forward to being back here again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 Central, 11 Eastern. Love and gratitude, all my best. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.